Hey guys, welcome to Industry 4.0. Uh, we have episode 6 coming up with a bunch of exciting new topics for today. Um, we have, th this past week we had E3 and a bunch of new exciting releases from that as well as the release of the Xbox One X. Um, on top of that today we also have some news about the iPad Pro, just a general discussion about um, the Uber CEO. Um, we had initially, we're going to talk about something else, but Travis Kalanick has since stepped down, so we were going to talk a little bit more to that today. And also, there is a new bill recently introduced to make it illegal for the president to delete his tweets by making it part of the presidential record. So, uh, let's just jump right into the first topic, guys. Um, this Xbox One X, what are everybody's thoughts on this new console? It looks like it's, stat-wise, it looks like it's a beast, but I'm really not sure what to make of it. So this is something that they've been talking about since last year, originally codenamed like Project Scorpio. They announced the Xbox One X, well, the Scorpio at the time, and the S at the same time last year at E3. Two months later, the S comes out uh, in, in August and was a slight upgrade uh, to the original Xbox One. And then this one, like you said, the stats are off the charts. I mean, there was a lot of rumors of what was, it was going to have. The one that everybody knew was the native 4K. Uh, was definitely going to be there, um, but I'm impressed by the specs. But in my opinion, video game console gaming has never come down to the specs. It's always been about the games on there. And that's a whole other discussion. Right. Yeah. And there's also rumors yeah. that um, the PlayStation 4 Pro was actually not achieving true 4K. It was just upscaling to 4K and HDR. Um, is I, I think I saw that they're 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 boasting that this Xbox One X, which is hard enough to say on its own is actually achieving true 4k at 30 frames um so that if if it can push that then that's awesome especially the fact that it's paired with the um the what is it the 4k blu-rays that are also coming out so for for the life of me i will never understand why sony didn't put the 4k blu-rays in their console that makes no sense to me honestly but it, they had an opportunity to with the Pro as well. I mean, they, they could have added right. it to the second generation of the console, and they, they for whatever reason, chose not to. I mean, the biggest upgrade to the Pro was the, for in most people, I mean, besides obvious specs and everything, the, the thing that people wanted the most was just the hard drive. Yeah. Right. And they, they both sport the, the one terabyte hard drive, too. And Has Sony made the update yet to use external? Because I know Microsoft's been able to use external hard drives this entire time. I have a three terabyte plugged into mine because... I was going right. digital for a while, so yeah, they did do that. They had a recent um, software update. They actually enabled that backwards across all of their consoles, which I'm. You said you had it for the Xbox One, so I assume that Microsoft did a similar step with that. But um, yeah, you can now plug in external hard drives into your console. And um, I actually replaced it. I don't know how easy it is to replace the hard drive on an xbox one did you ever do that or go into taking those steps not in the xbox one no because they immediately off the bat said you can use uh externals mm -hmm. and partnered with companies i think seagate was a big partner uh, where it was right. it was marketed as an xbox one external hard drive instead of a pc even though it was the exact same thing um and but playstation they built theirs to be removed like it's very easy to remove the ps4 hard drive yeah, on both the original the and the pro off. Exactly. So it was mm -hmm. really easy to replace, but the issue was I can, you know, my original Xbox One, it was a 500 gig console. I can keep those 500 gigs and then add on the three terabytes. 
Well, mm-hmm. with the PS4, you had to transfer your data to the cloud, delete what you felt comfortable <laughs> deleting, reinstall stuff, and then download your your uh, your save files from the cloud after you popped the new one in because it and it I and it wipes that, that hard drive, so you can't switch them either. Yeah. The second you take one out, when you put it back in, it wipes it, even if it's the same console. It has to be formatted a special way too, and yep. it like prevents it from being used as any other storage medium. Um, yeah, I had That's a um, DRM. Yeah, the DRM storage medium that they have going on there, their proprietary storage. But um, I actually did the upgrade to the PlayStation 4 before they announced this upgrade. So I took an external hard drive and I ripped it out of its like encasing. And I was like sitting there with like a screwdriver trying to dig it out of its shell and swapped it out with the hard drive that was inside of it. And then just popped that one back in the shell and formatted that one as like a FAT32 or some other normal hard drive just to use for like storage and uh, storing like music and extra files that I have. Nice. I, I used to see that a lot uh, with the, the 360s. They sold mm-hmm. two versions. They sold the 250 gig console, which actually had a hard drive in it. And then the four gig console uh, did not. It was four gigs of flash memory. I remember so that. when I worked at GameStop, people would come in, trade the, the console in. I would be testing it to uh, to see how much space it had before I opened the, the slot to see the memory. And there would be two memory units. I'm like, what is going on? So I would open it. There's nothing in there except like a tiny little thing like this big that they ripped out of the old 360 hard drives, like the ones that you clamped on the top. They would rip oh, that man. one out to not have to transfer their data or pay for the transfer cable and then just <laughs> pop that thing in there. Dude, wow. I remember with the Xbox 360 um, having the 20 gigabyte hard drive clip on that huge hard drive that clipped onto the side oh, of it yeah. now these yep. now these things are sporting one terabyte hard drives and yeah. it's, and it's and it is interchangeable and i think it supports up to some like ludicrously large number for like future proofing it and i've got a two terabyte sitting in my playstation 4 right now and um but like on a, on a related note to the two consoles the one thing that i wanted to get your guys's opinion on is um the playstation 4 pro isn't as much of a spec monster as the one X, but what do you think about it being like, is it worth the extra hundred dollars to buy the, the one X versus the four pro? So if I'm someone looking at consoles, do I purchase the one X or do I purchase the four pro and save a hundred dollars? Because both of them are sporting 4k. Both of them are sporting um, the one terabyte hard drive, um, high amounts of Ram, um, and similar specs that they're, I mean, it's different, but to a normal person, I don't know if they're going to be able to tell. I think it depends on what, what you're used to. Honestly, you have, um, for me when I, I I'm no longer really a console gamer, but when I was, um, it depends on your network of players, right? Mm-hmm. You have friends you play with on Xbox, on Xbox games. If you're, uh, into Halo, you, you like Xbox, you know, uh, something along those lines. Um, people are on along the same lines on Sony. If you're into PlayStation Network, you're going to go with PlayStation. Um, if you're if you're talking about maybe converting players from one console to the yeah, other. Yeah, like more of getting people to change to be like, oh, the Xbox One X is going to give me the power that I need to push the pixels that I want or enough of a draw to get someone over there. I think maybe if you're really really into the video quality you might see some people move to the xbox one um when you're when you're making a purchase for something like a console when games now cost you know well over 50 dollars if you get them new 
Um, I think it's not a huge step to, you know, splurge and spend a hundred more on the console if you're ready to make that move personally. No, right. If you're, if you're talking about just raw processing power, I think the, maybe the Xbox one X might be a better value, like price per, for per performance. But that's that's like a PC master race kind of talk. That the people don't who own consoles don't talk about that. They don't care about that. It's, it's the games nope. that sell right. the consoles, right? And the consoles have been always a lost leader for all these companies. Both the PlayStation, uh, all the Playstations and all the Xboxes have cost way more money than the Microsoft or Sony are selling them for. And their their strategy was they make it back on the game. So mm-hmm. they really don't. Uh, care and most people again i don't think care of what the specs are um, that are gaming Uh, some might and some will definitely pick up the xbox because it does offer quote-unquote true 4k uh, not like the ps4 pro where it's sometimes some games are 4k but some aren't Um, but i think it's going to be all about the games and see what who's coming out with what what's what are the exclusives can they can microsoft nail the exclusives cuz i think this round cuz every round there is like a uh console war right who's going to win who's going to every every generation that comes out you know the uh, xbox 360 came out and then the ps3 and i think the xbox 360 won that one officially and then they launched the ps4 with the xbox uh, one, then uh, the PS4, if, like, from looking at all the numbers of number of sales and, and number of games sold, the PS4 won in that round. Uh, they go back and forth and see. Can you who, even say different. it's part of the console war at this point, though? Because uh, back when those consoles were coming out, you had five-year differences between the hardware. Like, yeah. the Xbox and the Xbox right. 360 were five years apart. This one, yeah. all of these consoles, the xbox one the one s the slim yeah. the ps4 the ps4 pro the one x all of these consoles came out in the span of four years every yeah. single one of them the earliest but, one uh, being yeah but to be fair they did the same thing in the last generation so you had the original white white and then the black elite xbox 360 but then they came out with the slim and they came out with the e a couple years after that mm-hmm. it's all considered one life cycle of the 360 right. But, but so it was about like an eight-year life cycle from when it first came out. So yeah, but one difference, Kyle, and then in that last change, that was just a physical change. So they made it smaller. Uh, they made it more power efficient. But the performance didn't change like in this. This is completely That's different. That's a good point. Yeah, so they're, complete, they're changing. They're improving the performance by uh, 5x. In this case, for the Xbox One X, it's five times as powerful as the original Xbox One. So... They're changing because I think they have to change. They have to reduce that eight-year life cycle that they originally had because technology is changing so fast nowadays that if they want to keep up with the current trend that the gamers want, that what they demand, I think they have to keep it shorter. And now that they moved on to this x86 platform, which just in layman's terms just means it's a regular PC computer, like Windows or Xbox One X runs Windows 10 behind the scenes with a new interface. That's all it is. It's a really powerful Windows PC uh, behind the scenes. So now that they switched that architecture, I think it makes it easier for them to improve the specs uh, without losing backwards compatibility because a lot of the things was... Uh, really important back in the day when you got a new console that a lot of the games weren't compatible. They just added to 
the 360 com backwards compatibility to uh, the Xbox One, but that's done through emulation still. Right. Um, and I'm I'm torn on like how to feel about the way that they're releasing these consoles. Like going back to um, the just they were all released within such a short span of time. Like it looks to me like they're just waiting until better hardware comes out and then trying to one up the other person barely. Like we're never gonna see them waiting for a true console. I think like the like the Nintendo, the Switch is the and Nintendo's kind of stuck with this. Every once in every so many years they'll come out with something entirely new and try to push into some kind of new market or um just like take the best of their previous console and work on something that's both new and the best of what they have had in the past. But with this, the like all of these consoles have eight gigabytes of uh, RAM, ex with the exception of the new Xbox One, which has twelve, and they're all sporting. Um, basically, they're all sporting as according to Gamespot's um, console specs, um, AMD Jaguar CPUs, and they from what I'm reading, it just looks like they're just different generations of the same CPU. So, I mean. It's starting to kind of go into that game territory where you have Grand Theft Auto Five released five different times for five different consoles, and like I don't know how long you could really do this until people start to get tired of rebuying the same console every time they announce a spec update, if they even do that. So, I I just I, I don't know how to feel. I think about they're all it. about the newest thing. I mean, you're they made the adjustments here because they felt like they could because they already had the platform, like you said, with the. It's running Windows 10 in the background. I think that the biggest thing is, again, like it, I think in five years you're going to see whatever PS5 and whatever the other thing is because it's going to, like you said, it's going to seem stale. So even though they could make a slight adjustment, they're just going to call it something else with a pretty picture on it, sell you some of the games that you loved on this console plus new games, and you're going to buy it all again because that's just how mm -hmm. it works on console. Um, right. I think if you're, if you're strictly looking at those two consoles, I mean – if you are already an avid console gamer and you play one, either Xbox or PlayStation, you're just going to stick with what you play already, like Jeff said. Right. If you're coming into it as a newbie, it really depends. If you're a hardcore gamer, you want the best games all the time. Unless you have, like, the craziest TV or, like, the most modern TV and the Xbox One is going to be able to be exploited by that television, I mean, it, the games are just on PlayStation. Right now, yep. they, they were already... I'm a huge Microsoft fan. Always supported mm -hmm. Xbox over PlayStation. And they already had more exclusives and at E3 announced a ton more and there was barely anything mentioned exclusivity wise on the Xbox One. So I think if, if you're a gamer, PlayStation is your choice. If you're coming in, you're a casual gamer, you like stuff like sports and Call of Duty and you have an amazing setup at home, go with the Xbox because it's going to be the most the most bang for your buck uh, spec wise. Right. And then and you, you, can even... take it, uh, you can take into yeah. account too the fact that, you know, there's support now on Windows 10 to play Xbox games. I think I that's to say that, yeah. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, what I was talking about the network of players that you, you know, work or play with, I think that's a big factor too. Now that people who don't have either system, you know, now there's compatibility between Xbox and Windows 10 systems. That could be the one draw that brings some people to the Xbox One, that cross-play compatibility and the fact that Microsoft owns both of those ecosystems, then it might be easier to draw people to play PC games and Xbox games across platform with each other. I can right. see that. I, that's the mm -hmm. one approach I think Microsoft has with with their strategy going forward. 
I want to say that they're doing, at least they were for a little while, where if you bought any first-party Microsoft game, so Gears of War, Forza, Halo, stuff like that, that they own, when you bought it for one, you automatically had it on the other. So if you bought yeah. it, like I, I, I own Gears 4 digitally, and if I went over to your house, you have a Windows 10 PC, I can log into my account and play it on your PC. Right. Kind of like Steam. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah I, and I, th I think from what it looks like, at least from this standpoint, is that Microsoft is trying to take over the media PC market more than console itself, especially with these hardware specs. This update, the 12 gigs of RAM, it looks like they're trying to build out the OS and, and so it can support more multitasking with all the various apps they support. It's going to be a lot more streaming. Right. That's what it looks like to me. I mean, they're not as focused on games like they used to be. That's a really that's good something point. that I'm going to want to see, about the entertainment. Too. Right. Yeah. And going off of what you said, Ryan, that's a good point. I want to see... We can look at the raw specs and compare them all day long, but until these benchmarks come out of what this thing can actually do and right. how powerful this thing is, I think at this point it's mostly speculation on which one's more powerful. Like, sure, the Xbox One is the best one on paper, but how much of that's going to it being a media center versus a game console? Right. So, yeah. It's exactly what happened to PS3 and the 360. On paper, the PS3 was leaps and bounds ahead of the 360, and then side-by-side -side comparisons, there was negligible differences between the two. Mm -hmm. So it, it really does depend on what that power is going towards. Right. And like, well, with, and, they have the expandable storage now and that they're supporting expandable storage, storage on both consoles. And that's they're kind of saying, well, hey, here's your console is built out your library of movies or TV shows or whatever you want to listen to. It's going, going to be a one center point support like a Plex media <laughs> server for Xbox oh, One X. Maybe, right? <laughs> uh, Plex media server. Yeah, it's a different route. I think you get the Plex app on a lot of different, you know, consoles and yeah. devices. But I don't know about hosting the media server there. Well, I mean, it is well, the Shield does it. BMC. Yeah. 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 Well, Shield does it. Then Nvidia that's... Shield does it by default, and that's uh, fairly powerful hardware. And the One X is definitely more powerful than that. But right. yeah, I'm it's not... some cutesy little Integra chip versus this Jaguar chip that they've got running. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I did want to pose a question to you guys too. Um, what do you think about the future moving forward with consoles? The the concept of modularity. You know, they're starting to get in that direction with storage. Do you think it's ever going to get to the point where you know when a console becomes a little bit outdated, they'll offer a proprietary device you could swap in if you know what you're doing? Maybe upgrade the RAM, something like that. I think you mm. could see some kind of modularity, but also I, I I'm I'm convinced that there's some kind of point where at at some point they're going to cross into like PC gaming and it's going to intersect yeah. with that. And basically you're it's going to probably go back to some kind of enthusiast, hardcore modularity. Like you can buy the base console or like you said, you can buy extra parts and make it a little bit beefier and they're going to have to cater to both markets in order to actually, I think kind of keep pushing the, this forward because at this point it's just spec bumps on both sides and What's that mean to a casual user? It doesn't mean a whole lot, like we were talking about earlier. And like uh, Ryan, I know you have an Xbox One, and I know. Do you primarily use that as a media center, or do you game often on it, or what's your? To be honest with you, I haven't I haven't used it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I got this rig right here. I've been using more than anything, but um, uh, when I was using one? it, it was for specific games, and I did actually use it as a DVR for a while, and that was nice. And I got to do like picture in picture, and still be playing the game in the background or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, and, how do you feel ahead. about the One X? Is that is this tempting enough to make an upgrade hardware-wise? Or <laughs> I like the size. I mean, if it was white, it would go with my setup. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that would sell me. I don't know. But otherwise, yeah. uh, five hundred dollars is a steep price. That's that's real steep, especially without yep. the 
maybe if they had a new Halo that actually looked decent, in my opinion, I would go for it. But without that lineup, at least as of now, I'm not going to be sold on it. I mean, and getting back to what I was mentioning, too, I mean, you could probably just get it on your computer now. You have Windows 10, you know? Yeah, Yeah, almost all of them on the listings had the PC and the Xbox parallel. There was nothing, almost nothing that was Xbox One exclusive. Well, going back to what you said, Matt, I think that it's it's better for the, the game studios to support cross-console gaming. So once all games are cross-console supported, what's the point of having individual consoles? At that point, you it's kind of whatever flavor you want. Range. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you, do, you, do you also want a media console? Do you want a pure gaming experience? Do you want something like the Nintendo Switch has where it's just kind of like a portable, um, kind of like high-powered console with interconnectivity and the docking setup that they have and it, it's really going to come down to that i think also as well as the the modularity and the power but I, um nintendo I, I don't even think we can categorize in the console wars anymore i think they're sticking with their guns with what they have going with the switch it looks like they're kind of putting all their stocks in that but how um, disagrees they put all their stock in whatever new crazy thing that they – they are notorious for solving needs that no one had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, do you guys want to take this joystick and this little nunchuck and just throw it through your television on by accident? No, and then everyone bought it. <laughs> and I was like, hey. The Wii was cool though. It okay. was, but then like no one made a game for it after the after like the first two months. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, hey guys, you know how we have, you know how you all have DSs and you all love them because it outsold every console that we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you could take your console the same place you take your DS? <laughs> I mean, that I would think, be cool. Want to ignore everything for the rest of your life? Yeah. Here's a six-hour screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always been Nintendo's like prerogative the portable gaming market ever since they began in the mid eighties, um, their, their, their biggest success was in their portability. So it seems like they're kind of, it's like almost a return to form. Like they're moving away from the consoles and sticking to something that's a little more portable, even if they keep doing their crazy innovations and, um, their horrible logistics and shipping methodologies going forward it's gonna i think it's gonna be more mobile focused than it's gonna be um with like an in-home console that lines up or stacks up next to like the xbox or the ps4 i remember watching the launch trailer for the switch and everything that they showed i was like oh come on oh come on oh come on and then they finally hit because i I i've always been a fan of this i know but i feel like they shoot themselves in the foot a lot i guess maybe i want them to compete to be one of the better companies, and I think they're totally comfortable being third, just having their niche market and being cool with what they are. Like mm-hmm. I think they're totally fine with that, which is, if that's the decision you want to make, that's fine. But I, I think the one thing that they did that was key was uh, during the trailer, you see a bunch of guys all geared up, and they are at a tournament, a gaming tournament, warming up in the hallway before they go into the main place on their portable screens playing Splatoon. And then they go in, slide their screens in. Now it's on the big screen, and, and then they're playing. So I think actually showing people like, hey, this thing, yeah, there are some pro gamers out there who play Splatoon and Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. Like, you can take this on the go and practice right before you play, rather than having to have a whole rig plugged here, or like the big suitcase style televisions where you're plugged in. Hey, our console does all of it. Yeah, and like I think that's where thing. it's going to find success. But um, yeah, we we could go. This is going to eventually just devolve <laughs> We're gonna have into a... the war of the consoles all over again. Exclusive, yeah, pretty much. Exclusive <laughs> Nintendo episode. 
But um, I think overall it was a pretty good E3, aside from the fact that there was a lot, a lot, a lot of remakes and remakes of remakes and um, just sequels and not a lot of original content coming out. But overall, I thought I it was... trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, and now Skyrim runs on everything. It's going to be the new Doom. Yeah. You guys have, been, have you guys seen all the memes that are coming out? Like there was a there was a picture on Reddit I saw earlier today, where someone photoshopped in a screenshot of Skyrim running in on the heart rate sensor from Modern Warfare Two on the side of the <laughs> rifle. <laughs> so it's I think that's going to be the new joke. Bethesda really dropped the ball this time. But like I said, we can talk all day about E three, but um. <laughs> In in terms of upgrades that they're making with their consoles, I know going back on the WWDC conference, Apple announced the iPad Pro was going to be released in a 10.5 inch um, platform. Do any of you guys use an iPad or or um, I, I know I don't, I've never used the iPad Pro, but that thing was massive when I was demoing in like the Apple Store, like playing around with the drawing and and stuff. And I think this is this is kind of an interesting move for Apple to kind of bring this down to a smaller size. That's not quite like a nine inch where they had with the, I think they released with the original iPad pro the, the 12 inch that they have the, the big famous one. And then a smaller nine inch iPad pro. Um, now what do you think of this kind of middle ground 10.5 inch? I, I, I saw it. I saw pictures of it compared to the bigger one and it looks, it looks like it's a nice medium that they have. And it looks like it's mostly to, get consumers ready for this switch in iOS where the tablet is becoming more like a workstation. Yeah. So the difference between this iPad pro and the previous, uh, regular iPad, not even the pro one. Mm -hmm. So the previous pro smaller version was the same 9.7 inches as the regular iPad. And now what they've done is increase the size just a tiny bit. Um, but in, and reduce the bezels, but and then because of the bezels were so uh, such so smaller, they could increase the size at a quite a bigger rate than they actually increased the the size of the physical size of the device, uh, which I think is nice. Um, I love Verge's uh, review. Uh, I'm playing it to the <laughs> side now. They, they literally just said this is overkill. Apple's just showing off at this point. Because there really isn't any other player in this uh, tablet game at the moment. Android well, isn't doing much at the moment. Um, there, that's just there's sales thing. and reflected in sales, just to say that. I think uh, this isn't targeted at other tablets. I think what they're yeah. trying to reach is the high-end, like, ultrabook market and going into even yeah. um, the people who yeah. want a bit more of a premium experience than a, Chrome ca- a Chromebook. Yeah. So. I've seen I've seen videos. There's they have uh, a version of iMovie uh, that's running on these uh, pro devices that can edit four streams of 4K video all at once. Mm-hmm. You need a serious PC to do that, uh, yeah. and that's really impressive that you can do that on an ARM chip uh, running on a tablet mm-hmm. uh, without any lag introduced. So that's uh, what I, yeah, that's what I think it's targeted as more is. Um, like a creative person who isn't necessarily in one spot or needs a desktop solution or, and also at the same time, doesn't necessarily need the power behind a MacBook pro or an iMac. Right. Wants a little bit more of a a portability and kind of has a little bit more of like a casual approach to media creation. 
I think They're... that's their take on this. Yeah, that's definitely the, the direction I see them going as well, especially with the iOS 11 preview that we saw. It's it's completely changing how everything behaves on the actual device and that making it more act like a an actual uh, laptop computer uh, as close to it. It's the next step towards that. I think it, it may be, maybe iOS 12, they'll fully figure out how to exactly uh, make the device act, iOS act like macOS as like, much um... as they could. I like the changes they're making too. Um, I mean, just just from reading a bit about this, they have a higher res- resolution, but also they're um, it's capable of a refresh rate of 120 uh, yeah. hertz. And I, so, that, yeah, and I've, every t- every review that I read, it's every it's once you see it in person, you can't go back to that's another iPad. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's just probably gonna like be so nice, just so nice to use, um, and the the performance increase that i'm reading about also with apple pencil um to just make it more like you're actually you know writing on paper and when you're scrolling through articles it's not like it's 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 harder to notice that you're interacting with the device and it's not just this information source in front of you um if if that makes sense and i'm also reading about uh promotion technology which you know uh it changes the refresh rate of the screen based on what you're doing yeah. So if, yeah, if they you call it promotion. Be... Yeah, right. <laughs> They're promoting themselves, but um... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, but you know that that does factor in for the battery life it's boasting. You know, eight hours, ten hours, whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still got you with that one. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. I wasn't yeah. ready. Um, Boom. What do you guys think of the price? So I'm gonna list off the price starting off. Yeah, uh, the starting 64 gigabyte model, that's the base price. That's the lowest model that they sell is 649 and it goes all the way to a 512 gigabyte storage model. That's 1079. So $1,000 for a tablet. Uh, you think that uh, that's too high. And that, that also includes that $1,000 also includes LTE uh, with it. So that's the highest you can go with the full, right. uh, go full wireless, full mobile, uh, do everything that you want on this tablet. So I'm going to approach it from, I'm going to approach that, my answer from two different sides and anybody else can jump in if they have anything else they wanted to bring up about it too. But um, if you're looking at it as a tablet for purely media consumption, social media, the occasional bit of um, working on art, maybe just because you have the power to do it, um, that I think it's hilariously overpriced. And anybody would be ridiculous <laughs> to get this for someone who's going to use it for that use case. But that being said, I think that if you're using it in the same light as a portable media creation workbench tool or something like that, to where you have an artist who's doing sketches or animations or a tattoo artist kind of doodling out what tattoo he's going to be working on on the iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil, which they just reduced on on this hardware to 20 milliseconds, which is so fast, it's pretty much as if you're just writing on paper anyway. Um, I think if you're looking at it from that angle, it's a bit more lucrative because you don't quite need a MacBook, like I said, and it's got a touchscreen. So I think in my response, that's how I would say. I would say yes if you're a professional artist or someone who's going to be using this for media creation. Yep. But I would say no if you're taking it right. any other way. Yeah, if you're just using it to browse uh, the web, look at Facebook, and pay some bills, 
um, I would go with the cheaper, what is it right now, $349 for the cheapest mm -hmm. iPad right now. Uh, that's more than enough for the majority of the people out there. I right, think. yeah, this thing is overkill for anybody else. Yeah. yeah creative minds like to be uh, be mobile, so. Yeah. yeah. And then also you, you never know the... when creative creativity hits you, you know? We'll see, exactly. see what happens. See what happens with uh, you know iOS 11 and iOS 12, just like you were saying before too. Yeah, and I think right. I think that could change everything we're talking about in a good yeah. way for Apple. It's not even fair to consider it with iOS 10. It's built yeah. for iOS 11. Yeah, I was gonna say that's right. what I heard is that they really built it with iOS 11 in mind. So yeah, yeah. Why, why don't you think? Why don't don't you think they waited till iOS 11 was actually released before releasing this tablet? They just wanted to get it out of the market in people's hands. Most of the software is already there. Yeah. That's my opinion. Most of it's mm -hmm. there already. So people who people who are currently used to working with the iPad Pro 12-inch and don't need something as big can downsize a little bit and upgrade their hardware to something that's... I mean, even if it's running on iOS 10, spec-wise, it's still a lot better than the last generation iPad right. Pro. So it's still an upgrade. And then even with the new upgrade coming forward, you can look forward to all kinds of upgrades. So people could purchase it as an investment knowing iOS 11 is right around the corner or they could purchase it now for the pure ability of the spec boost because I'm not sure if the Apple Pencil yeah. is going to be faster on iOS 10 or if that's dependent on that software update, if it's just yeah. hardware. But um, well, that's what I'm thinking. Also, from like a sales standpoint, you kind of garner interest now with the new hardware and then when iOS 11 is out with it, you know, another spark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thompson, I have a question for you. Sure. Would you consider buying this if it ran full Photoshop and Lightroom? Like the full versions, <laughs> not the iPad versions. And it was lightning fast and you could edit. Also, maybe Adobe Premiere. Like Adobe Premiere would. That would write, be stepping it up. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> doing full on uh, 4K video editing on this machine. If it did all those three things. I still am uh, not sure that it currently has enough RAM to support <laughs> all of that video editing, especially for 4K. Um, yeah. The process has improved. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure you'd have enough memory on board. Um, yeah. But personally, I think going back to why they're launching it early, I think that the, the next generation when iOS 11 is out is going to be a higher resolution screen. They're, they're obviously focusing on the screens here for a reason. Because when I think of the iPad, it's kind of like a portable TV. When it, when the hardware gets a little outdated, when the I, when the iOS versions go, they overtake it. You know what I mean? The hardware gets a little slow. What are you going to use it for? It's a TV. <laughs> they use yeah. it for streaming. So right now is a good time for them to put it out right before the, the new iOS comes out. So that way, once the new iOS is out, it's like, oh, we got some decent hardware here now. What we can do with like a 5K screen or something like that as they keep moving up. Yeah. And I think you release it uh, for another. Uh, that's a great reason I didn't even think of. But another reason is, you know that the diehards are going to buy it regardless. The right. diehard Apple fans, if it has that symbol on it, it's getting picked up. Right. They're going to show it to their friends before it's even at its full capability and garner interest just by word of mouth, just by showing it off to people. The second that iOS 11 update hits, you show all your boys, hey, you loved this thing before. Look at what it can do now. Look at how much better it looks, is, acts, whatever the update does to this device. And now it's like, ooh, I was kind of interested. I need it now. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the 120 hertz stat is indicating anything close to maybe this being able to support refresh rates for a VR, like a, a portable VR solution. Mm. Um, that's This is like wild speculation at this point, but yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, because 120 hertz refresh rate is what the PlayStation Pro or the PSVR headset has at, as its current um, 
less its latency, screen refresh stats, and I'm just wondering if maybe this is if it may offer some kind of light editing in a right. VR workspace because you said it can are edit you, are you, three 4K yeah. videos concurrently. Are you painting a picture of a future where people are strapping iPads to their heads? <laughs> that would be <laughs> that would be a heck of a headset. <laughs> I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm trying to paint that kind of a picture, but the the picture that I'm definitely painting is one where Apple is fully in the VR game. Yeah, so yeah. during WWDC, they focused on a lot of AR, mm-hmm. um, and also that they added VR support for the HTC Vive to their macOS built-in natively. Uh, but I think AR on the portable side, that includes the iPhone and the iPad, uh, will be huge. They, and that might help, the, the refresh rate might help that a little bit. I'm not sure. It would be really good to see in person and see how that goes once it gets iOS 11 and gets released. And that AR, those AR apps start launching on those devices. Kind of moving on to the next topic, I guess. We should just, just segue right on. Um I'm sure you guys saw the news breaking over the week of Travis Kalanick going on the leave of absence with Uber. Sure did. That company, like every time I see some bad news in like any workplace ever, like it 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 doesn't compare to what Uber has managed to do over the past four months. <laughs> like it astounds me. They have the like there was the rumors of, or the email that came from. The, one of the engineers, I think, of the like of the Miami sex parties that came out recently, and all of these um, company policies, and Travis Kalanick apparently complaining that he like couldn't partake, and like a note to management and all that stuff, and like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, can can Uber come back from something like this? I mean, first off, it's Miami. That's just gonna happen down there. I mean, it's just, it's just what happens in Miami. That's it. But you don't <laughs> Go do ask like, the heat. you don't do company confidential emails about that. <laughs> I mean, probably not. No, that was that was their mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's even taking that leave of absence. Like, um, you guys probably heard about his his uh, mother passed away in the boating accident. Yep, like his father's hospitalized. Like, I'm trying to think of wow. what this guy must be going through now. Like, he. His company's falling apart. He went through that. Like, people were saying, oh, he's taking a bow to let the company, like, ride itself into the wall and crash. But this is a lot of emotional stress, I think, for someone to go through. And I don't know if I want to call it too quickly on Uber and say that they're going to go down the pipes. Because they're making all these moves. And yeah. they just hired um, the uh, the woman who was who was like the highlight of Apple's WWDC conference last year. I, I, her name is escaping me right now, but they just picked her up to kind of fix their PR. So um, I'm not, and she's a fantastic person at, at what she's been doing. And she's done a great job of publicizing Apple and all of the past work that she's done. And I just, I just don't know if it's too little too late. Like what, I, I want to hear what you guys think about Uber and this whole thing i'm just obviously they're in a bad place right with everything going on but this is all you know their attempt to save face however they can i think that whatever moves they make it may be too little too late it's too soon to say really until you see what they're trying to do what they're trying to change if they try and change their public appearance based on what's happening they need to do something Mm -hmm. um right see i don't think it's too bad yet i mean 
It is if you've done your research. <laughs> let me let me get there. Let me get there. Okay. Yeah, I see where you're going. It is if you've done your research, but I mean, Uber is almost like Band Aid. It. Let, let me get there. <laughs> when you get a bandage, you don't call it a bandage. You call it Band Aid. Mm-hmm. People who are just general consumers of technology, if they're like, oh, I want to get a thing. A, you guys have Uber? That's it. That's what they know ride sharing as. Right. Ride sharing is Uber. Lyft doesn't even come out of most people's mouths. If I suggest Lyft because I know that it's more prominent in a certain area, people will seriously tell me, I don't want another app on my phone. Really? I'll yeah. send you a thing that will give us a free ride home right now. Nah, <laughs> I don't want another app on my phone. You took 76 <laughs> pictures of your lunch this afternoon. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want the cheaper option? And and now the better company possibly run right. better at least on some aspects. And I mean, better PR. They're doing a lot of things, a lot of small moves that are in the right direction versus bad publicity on the other end. I mean, yeah, they're slowly moving in that direction, but I think the general populace still just thinks, oh, I don't even care what they do. It's just Uber gets me there, so Uber's the answer. You sure. see, I kind of fall into the other boat because I was. I actually had uninstalled the app after the first round of crazy stuff that happened, and that can be speculated both ways. But, and I live in a major city, so that kind of isn't really going to hinder my use case for using a car service such as Uber or Lyft or anything like that. So, I could see how some people, much in the way that people associate, like Uber's Uber is a noun. That people, it's like a, it's like saying, oh, just Google it, or like you said, put a Band-Aid on, or use a yeah. Kleenex, or something like that. Like, it's it's so synonymous and in ingrained in our language that people naturally go to that app first, and even more so, it can even fall into similar territory like the cable service where Lyft isn't as good because no one's signed up for Lyft because Uber is so ingrained that it's. It would take someone maybe an hour to get a Lyft ride versus calling an Uber. The car comes in 15 minutes if you live in a less dense area. Lyft used to take way longer. I mean, I remember one time a mutual friend of all, all of ours, Sean and I, we went into the city to watch one of the McGregor fights. And I was like, dude, get a Lyft. It's a little bit cheaper. Get Call a Lyft. And it was like wait time, like 25 minutes. And I was like, all right, I'm kind of curious. Went to Uber. It was like wait time five. And oh, I was like man. two more dollars, and I was like, "Oh, now look, granted, this was a couple a couple years ago, or a year plus ago, but I think I I thought that Uber might try and drop some of their prices because we talked about their new pricing uh, model that they did on one of the previous episodes, mm-hmm. and I've found still that they're almost the the same price every time. Or Uber's been a little bit cheaper for me recently. I'm not going crazy far, but I mean, people are going to look at the price and just say, "Oh, well, that's the one then." Mm-hmm. That could be a number of things. That could be just at the time. It could be them doing damage control and like, oh, okay, we'll lower our prices a little bit just to make it, just to kind of like artificially inflate their numbers a little bit. Right. But um, I know, like, I've I've actually kind of gotten into the habit of bringing this up when I'm in a lift. I'll just ask them like what got them into doing the ride share and if they like what they're doing or have they driven for Uber and a lot of them actually drive for both, but a lot of them have told me, um, and I've, this is even when I was in Ubers also, a lot of them have told me that they prefer Lyft. They just think they feel more like a, like they're being treated like a person 
by their company. And there's a little bit more respect kind of down the ladder from Lyft. So it's it's more internally the the, the weight is definitely favored towards Lyft. But um, I just don't know because this is a PR nightmare. <laughs> like every week Uber is doing something crazy. And it's just how many people can they offend? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's all about how they handle it from here. If if they bring the right people in, say the right things, and make the right moves, they could recover easily. I mean, organizations have done way worse things and recovered at, just fine. So I Tylenol. think it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could you could bounce back from it, but they have to do the right things and they have to get ahead of it. They have to start doing it now. They mm-hmm. can't just wait. Yeah, and they are making moves like um, Travis Kalanick, who's been arguably referred to by media sources and other people as a as more of a toxic ceo for the company and you have other moves they're making like they have laid off the 20 employees who were charged with sexual harassment and they also fired i think among them was their head of their marketing expansion team in their asian market which is their largest growing sector and he's been a huge part of making sure that happens so the fact that they cut him out means that it it could be viewed from externally that they are taking this seriously and they do see a problem and they're trying to fix it. So I think they can fix it, but it's going to take some changes. And even Facebook went through these growing changes. Mark Zuckerberg had to take like PR classes to like learn how to be a human being in front of other people. (laughs) (laughs) He was such a bad presenter at one of the first public, uh, functions that he's done that was uh, recorded it was really really bad you could physically see him sweating through his sweatshirt <laughs> and i physically and I was, was cringing every time i saw that too <laughs> he's oh man <laughs> yeah it, they were it were impressively cringy his first conferences <laughs> but um speaking of impressively cringy um yep you guys I was say the same thing. That's a great segue. <laughs> you I was guys say the same thing, Matt. You guys Seg- saw the Segway King. That special tweet from a very certain US political special figure. Special guy. Yeah. And I mean you, you you can't blame him for deleting it because it's a ridiculous tweet and it's gotten a lot of press kafef, but it's <laughs> it's something that I think that he needs to consider what he's tweeting about when when he's at when he's on his late night benders on Twitter. And <laughs> he he all of everything he says has to be logged in the National Archive by law. Everything he says is a public statement on any public platform. And this new bill that we were that we found an article on the hill.com was saying that uh they Congress introduced a new bill to make it illegal for the president to delete his tweets by making it a part of the presidential record formally and officially. I'm not sure what the bridge here between his public statements as a U.S. president having to be logged in the National Archives versus this medium. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah. In my opinion, I think it should be because it's the times are changing. And now I think from presidents on, they're going to have a Twitter account. They're going to be more vocal on him. And I think 
whatever they say on these type of social media platforms, as we've seen uh, with Trump so far, has an effect on what uh, goes on in the country, right? They have an effect on the people. Uh, so it's a it's a, a new communicator uh, like we had uh, with previous presidents that earlier on when the radio came out, we had those fire chats, fireside chats where everyone would sit around the radio and listen to the president give a talk and what their view on the current topics were. And now in 2017, it's Twitter. That's Twitter. That's where people see, uh, go to see what the what's on the president's minds, what they're going uh, to do that day, and that's where we're going to be posted. So I think it, it this is appropriate to include, uh, and it's not just Twitter; it's just it's social media in general mm-hmm. uh, will be included as part of the presidential record. Yeah, also, but how, how do you guarantee that that's him sending that message? I know that he, you know, right. takes he takes responsibility for a lot of his tweets, but you have all these yeah. celebrities and public figures out there that do have PR reps who tweet for them. There, so yeah, how how, yeah. how can you put him on record until you, unless you can witness him actually tweeting it? There was a way right. that actually people were able to tell um, during the election, and I've noticed it's still true to a degree. Um, when he's traveling for conferences, I've noticed on certain Twitter apps they'll tag the device that the tweet comes from, and I know ever since the San Bernardino shooting and that whole debacle with Apple, where um, they wouldn't give up the user data on the phone. Donald Trump has openly boycotted Apple products. And when he's on, when he was on the road on the campaign trail or immediately after he said some like brutally inflammatory stuff and people were like, okay, we got to take your Twitter away for a while so we can like have normal coverage. You would see his tweets come through on an iOS device, but um, on these late night binges, you can see that they're coming from an Android device. Yeah. So, and I think it's pretty reliable that you can, well, it might be uh, incorrect to state, but I think if you look at the real, at real Donald Trump Twitter account, it's more than likely coming from him. And that if you look at the at POTUS one, it's probably uh, the media from the White House uh, coming from them. And also um, it's more than likely. Unlike other Twitter accounts, this one is a verified account as Donald Trump. So I think it's to be assumed that all tweets coming from that account are him or are his accurate thoughts and representations of, of, of his experiences at that time. Yeah. That being said, there's there's still possible ways to hack that account, aren't there? Yep. Mm -hmm. Say whatever you want. Definitely. The name of the president of the United States. I I don't doubt that they're coming from him. That's not what I'm trying to say, but just to put it on official record, I think they need, I mean, I'm sure they have, but you need to do homework. Right. Can you imagine being the guy that logs these into the National Archives? (laughs) (laughs) Like typing these tweets in. There's got to be a feed, though. You know, it's got to be automated. Oh, they got a post-processor for that. He's definitely going to say that his Twitter was hacked on multiple occasions. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's hacked. That actually came from fake Donald Trump, not real Donald Trump. (laughs) Just just to interject here, just, just to interject, Matt, I am looking at a BuzzFeed. Not the best source, but a BuzzFeed <laughs> survey. Um, and 30, 37% of voters think it's a Kafifi, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Kafifi, okay. Yeah. Uh, 19% second place is Kafefe. <laughs> oh, man. Kafefe. <laughs> yeah, Kafef is 8% of the vote. So um, we got Kafifi then. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Did you mention the act's actual name? It's named after... 
Uh, oh, yeah, that's what that's he said. Point. Yeah. Oh, the acronym so, spells. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's the, the yeah. So the act officially is named the Communications Over Various Feeds Electronically for Engagement Act, which <laughs> that acronym <laughs> spells out. Yeah, they, they tried real hard. Yeah, that oh, was a yeah. stretch. So this this particular representative representative Democratic representative Mike uh, Quigley. Uh, this is the second time that he's done this. He has a record for uh, making acts that take jab at the president. So the previous <laughs> one to this uh, was uh, making access records available to lead American government openness, which uh, if you shorten that, it's uh, shortens to mar a lago <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So, so that here act, is where it came. <laughs> yeah. That act was to force the president to make the White House visitor logs as well as visitor logs to the Trump resorts public. Um, okay. Yeah. And they're legitimate bills that they're introducing, which right. I would argue is like this stuff should be public record if for some reason it isn't. And I know um, there was the recent um, the news that broke about the travel ban uh, that was pushed to the appeals court. Um that was actually overturned in one of the court of appeals and they actually cited one of his tweets as an official statement for the ruling against mm -hmm. the travel ban. And yep. so like, it was one of, I don't, uh, I don't know the exact tweet word for word, but um, it was the one where he was calling for a real travel ban and not some politically correct travel ban that's written by um, politicians. But, um, he, he, the, the, the fact that these are being cited as official statements in themselves signifies the importance of he, what he says is going to be recorded forever in American history. So it'll be very entertaining to read the National Archives from 2016 to 2020. It's like uh, Sean Spicer and the crew can look back on the inside joke because apparently uh, the president and a small group of people knew exactly what Kafifi meant and it wasn't a typo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is I, a statement that was made. I think what he needs to do for all you sports fans out there is go out there and hire Herm Edwards. Do you guys, do you guys remember that at all? I don't. Herb Edwards, 2011. He's used to play in the NFL. He's a Jets coach for a while, ESPN NFL analyst as well. He gave a speech to rookies. <clears throat> he said, you guys can even help me out with this. I need to take all your phones and install an app that runs your Twitter. But instead of send, when you get you type all that stuff you're about to say, then it says, don't press send. So you can think about the dumb <laughs> stuff you were about to send out into the world. That is there forever. <laughs> He's like, why do it to yourself? Yep. Don't press send. And then he used that for years after that video went viral. Like anytime <laughs> someone said something stupid online that was a, that was anything related to football, don't press send. I, it's all over the internet. I told you for years, don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it because all it's going to do is get you in trouble. <laughs> Especially because people are going to spin it whatever way. And, and also the fact that he deleted it, which – yeah. Some people are calling for editing of tweets, which would have been fine. Like, that would have been fine if he had edited it as long as they track yeah. the... Right. I, I don't know how that would work for the National Archives well, if they, if they um, have to post everything yeah. or not, but... Yeah. They could just provide a full audit trail, right? Yeah, they could. <laughs> <laughs> if they have that capability, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... But um, that, 
I, I, I'm not sure how that would work if, if any if any presidents have actually had to record addendums on anything they've said. So, mm. if, Can you if, declare a state of emergency through a tweet? Oh my goodness. It's an official statement. Can you declare war through a tweet? Oh, well, Congress geez. would have to yeah. do that, but you can yeah, declare right. a conflict, I believe, is probably... Oh, right. Okay. So, I have a cool question. Did, uh, did Obama... Were all his tweets, like, from at POTUS, were they all officially recorded as well? I imagine it's the same thing, but... Right, yeah, I they, think, they were. I think the Library of Congress recorded all of his tweets. Okay. And then once he uh, was uh, um, done being president, his full account was tr uh, transferred over to uh, a new Twitter account and fully archived on okay. Twitter. Uh, and now he can use that account and it has a full history of everything he said while he was president uh, under that new account. Um, but so so this act would would then include all at POTUS and at real Donald Trump. I so would both would be fully re right. recorded forever. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's very dangerous. Agreed. I don't. It, It'll I be think, one to uh, remember, though. Yeah, people will look in the history books and be like, "What?" Yeah, right. exactly. You guys lived what? through that. What was Twitter? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> what was so, Twitter? so on that note, um, I think that covers all we have to say for the first half here. If you guys are ready to take it into a break, good with me. Sounds good. Yeah. So, we'll be right uh, back. yeah, this is I for all. We'll be back after a short break. Thanks. Welcome back to Industry 4.0. Kyle Fisher here. We got a full house still. Irvin, Matt, Ryan, and of course, Jeff. Uh, before we get into the second half, just remember you can always uh, find our show page hosted on podbean.com at Industry 4.0, all spelled out, .podbean.com. You can find us on Google Play, Industry 4.0, iTunes, same thing, Industry 4.0, uh, as well as uh, facebook.com slash Industry 4.0. Oh, uh, we have a nice little uh, compare and contrast situation coming up here. Slavin and Jeff uh, did a little testing of some betas this week. Slavin, why don't you let us know what, how that went? Right. Um, so we announced respectively in the past two episodes the Android updates that were coming to the Android O um, operating system and the iOS 11 update that was coming out um, in in the later parts of this year at both of their respective events. And me and JBuds have taken it upon ourselves to use both of the beta programs as our daily drivers. So to start it off, um, I have a Nexus 6P. So I've been using the Android O developer preview um, 
and it's gone through the first two iterations. Um, the developer preview one um, was just the initial uh, alpha release of of the preview with some basic things that it wasn't really ready for a daily driver. And when I picked it up was at the developer preview two, where it was kind of stable enough for um, end users and people who aren't exactly developers to start um, downloading it and just trying to test out the new Android O features. And with this latest update, the developer preview three, they finalized, this is going to mean nothing to a lot of people, but they <laughs> finalized all of the APIs, which is the only difference really between um, developer preview two and three, aside from some minor UI tweaks. Um, but the APIs now mean that developers of third-party apps can begin preparing their apps, like Facebook or Snapchat or something, can begin preparing their apps for the official release of Android O. And my experience with it has been really good so far. Um, I have no overall complaints. There's a few apps that crash and stutter here and there, and it is definitely beneficial to reboot my device once every couple of days just to kind of keep everything running smoothly and the a couple of the big features that I've come to really like are the picture in picture mode that they enabled with YouTube it's awesome to be able to go into YouTube and watch like a tutorial on something and then drop out of that with the video playing in the corner and then go and respond to a text um, and then cut right back into the video when I'm done without any loss. Or And it's even nice also if I'm listening to a music video and I don't have YouTube read, so I don't have the background play for YouTube, I can go into the YouTube, kick the music video on, throw that off into the corner of my screen, and then continue doing whatever else I was doing on my phone without any interrupt inter interruption in my use case for the phone. I'm Net sure YouTube's not going to be happy about that, though. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's They enabled it in all of their apps so far. It's in YouTube. It's in Google Play Movies. It's If you want um, YouTube Red, you're definitely going to save money by being able to turn your screen off, and you'll save battery also, True. which is the big thing. But um, I think it's, it's, it's a nice feature, and it'll be interesting to see if that makes it all the way through into the final um, Android operating system because they have it in their android tv uh, systems already and another feature that i've come to like is the reskinned ui there's been a lot of hate around the reskinning of the operating system and ryan i don't know if i showed you this or not yet but i'll hold it up to the camera um That's my home it. screen if you were to swipe down and take a look at the notification shade you can see it's white instead oh, wow. so yeah. it's totally different and it's a little more laid out it's laid out a little more differently than other um, than other Android ones, and I know yours is a dark theme. Yeah, dark theme. And I can see I, you know how Android users like their their light and dark themes, so you can see a lot yeah. of people kind of crying out in agony <laughs> as they do that. But um, just to to go over a couple of the other features, they just recently in the Pixel launcher added the new icon shapes for for android so what they're doing is they're adding support to change the shape of your icon so everything can conform to the same look because android unlike apple utilizes i think more of like a vector style than just making everything conform to the same like kind of rounded corner square app icon so um they're trying to kind of 
enhance the uniformity of their apps across those styles. So they have four different layouts. Um, their icon shapes are, <laughs> some of them are named a little bit ridiculously. They have square, uh, which is just as it is. It's just a regular square. They have rounded square. My favorite is squirkle, which is like really weirdly ridged squares with like kind of a rounded corner type deal. And then they have teardrop, which looks similar to how the aloe and duo app icons look. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would recommend it. Um, if anybody wants to try it out and has a Nexus device or a pixel device, but be warned that some apps may not work. Like I was trying to order dinner on the uh, Yelp eat 24 app. I was trying to order pickup and it wouldn't even let me check out paying for cash. Like even if I didn't want to use a card in the app, it wouldn't let me check out with the food and the app kept crashing. And also Snapchat, even more so than it already is, is a steaming pile of hot garbage (laughs) on the Android O beta. It is slow. My phone gets ungodly hot when I open up Snapchat and you can definitely tell that it's like, it takes me, like I wanted to take a snap of something that I saw outside and it took me three minutes to get the camera ready for a picture. Oh man. Wow. And then it took another, so you walked away from that thing, right? The thing walked away from me. It was done. <laughs> <laughs> it was like some construction workers, like having a, a loud argument or something like that. And I was just trying to like zoom in on them and like get a funny snap with like the, try to see if I can get the little things to lay on their faces, like the, the face overlays. Stickers, yeah. 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 And I, I just couldn't do it. But, um, but aside from that, it's been good. Um, I'm really, I'm really liking it overall. And it has had a noticeable benefic- a beneficial increase to my battery. So I, you, they included notifications that'll start to like, let you know, when or like which processes are running in the background and you can see data on what kind of power they're using and how much power they're using in a percent per hour kind of level and you can get really granular and remove the permissions that the app needs to do that if you don't want to doing that in the future um the battery settings have improved tremendously so uh, overall i would give it um I would give it a very positive review. I don't know if it's quite ready for everyone to pick up as a daily driver, but for someone willing to deal with the faults for the sake of field testing a new OS, it's definitely worth it. Um, but I'm curious to see how that compares to iOS 11. And yeah, so um, uh, generally I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have had the opportunity to use it. And I, I do see a lot of um, improvements from my end. Um, you know, there's the new control center, which I'm sure people have seen, um, which involves these two larger bars for adjusting brightness, volume. You have all your different things that you want to configure from the old control center here. Mm-hmm. It's just more user-friendly. Um, uh, as Urban as and I have discussed, there's a lot of bugginess that you get when you're working yeah. with something that's in beta. So um, I've seen where I bring up the control center and I can't get it to go away. I literally had to you know, do a full reboot of my phone to avoid that. But I'm not anticipating that being a problem in the future. Yeah. So, some other things that I like, um, when you're on your home screen, you can now swipe right 
and you have your agenda, your, your notification center. What you previously had to swipe from the top, which didn't always work well, and it's it didn't really make a lot of sense. Now you just swipe right from your home screen, and there you go. I have my calendar alerts. I have my travel times from Google Maps, which I do use Google Maps on my iPhone. Uh, reminders, my, you know, you can customize what you want to see here, like your uh, VIP mail accounts, important messages, uh, battery notifications, whatever you're looking for. Um, one thing I can show because I cleared it out is you have like a new, I don't know if you guys can see it, but there's like a new kind of layout to the menu structure. You have this bold text in the top left. It's a lot more like uh, user friendly from the UI. Okay. Um, and every, basically every staple screen in the iPhone layout kind of looks like this now where you have this bar with the bold and then your list underneath. It just is um, a little a little easier to use. Again, with the beta, I have seen issues where when I go into my folders and tap an app icon, it'll highlight it as if it's going to open and hang there. You have to tap it again. So that's something to look out for if you're anticipating on testing this in the beta stage, but I don't see it being an issue when it's released officially. Um, the transition speeds, nice and quick. Battery life seemed unaffected, if not better, which obviously I like after you've heard, if you've heard our previous <laughs> podcast, I've had issues in the past with battery life on this phone. Um, aside from that, uh, not a ton that I can talk to more than that. I haven't, you know, from um, from a daily use standpoint, I haven't I, I haven't dived in to, you know, harness the full capability of what they're changing, at least from a smartphone standpoint. I would be curious to try out what's changed on an iPad, but I'm not an iPad user, so. Right. And have you experienced this, like, do your apps still work fine? Like, is your Snapchat experience interrupted in any way? Or actually, Snapchat's <laughs> great. There's no issue there. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't. I haven't seen any issue with any app. Maybe um, there's the little, like the tiniest details. Um, on Facebook, if I'm viewing someone's profile, I can't click their profile picture and look at it. You know, mm -hmm. like it's small stuff like that. Because um, I've been trying to test everything I can with the apps mm -hmm. I have. Um, but generally, you know the. My the mail looks great. Um, regular apps I use like uh, Skype. We use a lot to communicate. Um, Snapchat, Discord, Instagram, anything like that. No, no issues, so ever. Everything's be, nice and smooth. What do you think of the new Siri voice? How do you? I like it. How has Siri been? Have you tested Siri a little more? I know we talked that we don't really use Siri all that often. You haven't used I, Siri. I but. do. When I'm when I'm driving, I use Siri for texting. Mm -hmm. or voice recognition for things like Skype, you know, when I uh, have to message coworkers or something like that. And I don't think it's a, let's see how to put this. It hasn't gotten worse as, as, as a result of the iOS 11 update, but it hasn't been a significant improvement either for me. Um, there may be new functionality I haven't known to test, but mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes you know I'll say I'll say some basic phrases and I'll get it wrong and that that's frustrating. Um, I enunciate specifically on my second and third tries and it still has issues, but um, that could change yeah, too across the betas. I I think it will. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know how extensive the contents of the releases I have it are, 
I, I can't really I was, speak to what what I expect to see versus what's here now. I can only hope for improvement. I do I do wholeheartedly expect for any lagginess or like uh, kind of bugginess with the way the OS itself is um, operating to be fixed though when it's actually released. Yeah, they have some time. It shouldn't be released till the fall, and they'll have several previews uh, released to uh, people uh, throughout that time. And this is just the first beta. I know the first public beta comes out at the end of this month. Right. So in a couple of weeks, you'll get the first public beta. So anyone, uh, right now you need a special developer account to access this particular beta. But uh, once the public one gets released, you can sign up yourself and go to Apple's website and sign up to participate in the beta and you want to try it yourself, uh, you can go ahead. And that should be a little bit more stable than what the version that Jeff has now. Mm -hmm. I'm excited with it. Though. It hasn't affected my daily use. I expected yeah. it to kind of mess with me a little more, but it's been it's been fine. Now, does unenrolling from the beta in iOS work the same way as it does in Android? That does. Do either of you know that? Like, because if yeah, as a, yes. as a yeah, as a PSA, if you unenroll from the beta for Android O, it requires a full device wipe. Yeah. Hmm. And this is the same here. Um, okay. But it doesn't do uh, it doesn't do it uh, uh, right on the phone itself. You have to connect it to iTunes and, and do a full reset uh, there to go back to the first or the original version of okay. the operating system. So it's just kind of restoring to a previous point at that point. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the same way as Android where like I lose everything unless I'm using my own third party backup solutions or if I have mm -hmm. my contacts backed up to Google, I lose it all. So, yeah. Um, Okay. As long as you made a backup to iTunes and you can restore that backup or if you restore the old version, uh, you just have to ensure that you delete. There's a special certificate that it installs yep. when it installs the beta uh, that allows it to get those updates uh, from Apple. Right. Okay. That's good to know. That's definitely yep. really good to know. And um, to go back to the O beta, um, I mentioned that you have to reboot the phone sometimes uh once or twice a day depending on what apps i'm trying to use um to highlight that um normally if i were to show you the android boot process we would be on this for probably 20 more minutes but i'm gonna i have the screen up now and if i hit the reboot i can kind of talk during this while it does it but um the Android system was completely rewritten from the ground up in order to accommodate a faster boot speed. So, Ryan, I know your experience with the Nexus 6P, like the boot speed can be in the span of several minutes or yeah, a very long period of time. But this phone has now fully powered off and it's moving into a power up at this point. But um, they focused on redoing the app architecture and going into an overwrite. So like completely rewriting it from the ground up. And this thing boots now in probably like less than 20 seconds at this point. Wow. So it does the little Google boot animation and it moves into the Android and then it's done. It's something that's like, it's impressive how fast it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, and, <laughs> and then it's done. So, it's already fully nice. booted. Nice. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Android used to take, like, I swear to God, that was a five minute process last time. Oh, yeah. And this <laughs> is like, um, this is less than a minute. This makes me, this makes me want to try this out. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's see how fast my phone goes. Right. And um, 
Because that was, Android was, like I said, they were totally re-architecturing or building a whole new architecture under the hood for Android. So that way they could kind of abstract the more core processes to the phone to Android itself and make it easier for phones um, made by third-party carriers running Android O to develop their stuff on top of that layer. So that way they can push critical Android security updates under the hood without by completely bypassing the carrier hooks and the manufacturer hooks into the phone. So that going forward, you should see Android starting to kind of catch up to iOS in terms of user integration to the latest operating system for Android 8.0 onwards, which is exciting. But Very nice. But, it's um, going to take a while. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you still have phones running cupcake, or uh, gingerbread. I mean, so probably cupcake as well. Probably, yeah. Was it? But on my on my phone too, it's about it's about forty forty five seconds yeah. to boot up. So mm-hmm. it, it, they're getting way more efficient and way more powerful. And um, like I said, I I would be hesitant to recommend the Android beta to someone who's. Who, who depends on their phone for critical things. Like, I wouldn't do it oh, to like yeah, a, yeah. a work phone or something like that. No, but, same here. Yeah, but if you're using it for, uh, in, in the Android O, if you're using it for, like, Google services, or and you don't play, like, a lot of video games, or you don't have a lot of third-party apps you depend on, I I would say go ahead. Yeah. You're, you're going to have a smooth experience, but... Um, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We One app- to talk about it here, so... Yeah, and um, to move on to the next topic, one app that I haven't tried yet is Lyft on the Android O beta. But Lyft has been um, kind of the polar opposite of Uber in terms of exciting news and PR. Um, they currently um, got a deal from um, from Boston, a $125 million investment from Jaguar. That's it for the self-driving cars. Um, that's pretty awesome it's kind of like uber's carnegie mellon deal where they were able to invest in that apparently they gave them a fleet of vehicles as well as a 25 million dollar investment oh really well i I think that might be included in the 25 million Um, it's either mess read or just read a bad article it's a no it's a little ambiguous um but yeah um regardless yeah, uh, Jaguar Land Rover is investing 25 mil in Lyft. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is small compared to, it looks like it, General Motors gave it 500 million back in December 2015 Yeah, investment. Um, um, do, you, do you know about that focus of the GM investment, if they specified anything, what, what they're targeting in doing so? Or is that just to kind of get just, GM cars out there? No, nah, I think it was just general purpose research. No, nah, it's to develop self-driving cars. Well, yeah. yeah 500 million to focus on developing self-driving cars. Yeah, that was so, what I meant by that, not just researching yeah. whatever. So adding adding to the pot then, uh, JLR. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's you know a focus on autonomous vehicles. I think that's the focus for both Lyft and Uber at the moment. They want to right. get rid of drivers as quickly as possible. Pretty so much. Right. Keep that cut. Uh, keep that cut that they're paying out to drivers at the moment. Uh, they want to reduce that to zero and keep everything. Lyft is uh, just pulling the work out a little bit nicer. Right. Well, 
the president co-founder of Lyft, John Zimmer, uh, is quoted as saying that he's anticipating the majority of the rides provided by Lyft to be in autonomous vehicles by 2021. So, yeah, you know, so, three and a half years. I know that we touched on it a little bit in a past episode, but like, what is gonna, what would make you feel comfortable to just get in a call for an Uber, get in a, in a vehicle with no driver, and just hope that it gets you there? Alcohol. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, you're not going to call a cab. But I, if I just so freaky to me, like, I'm seeing. I, let them get in it first. Right. Dudes made it. You get in awesome. it. You tell me if it works. I know Uber was incentivizing people in Pittsburgh for this with free rides when they unrolled their self-driving car thing, which kind of made people feel a little more comfortable that they weren't paying money to be a part of this like weird beta testing experience and and also i think um, a lot of states are going to pass legislature at least in the beginning that those cars are going to have to be chaperoned by an emergency driver just in case if something happens like yes. it's not you're not just going to have this piece of this, this four wheels and, and no steering wheel like hub of a car pull up and everybody just hops on in and goes off to well, wherever they're headed i I believe that's how the JLR deal is set up as well, because they're providing drivers with these cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, there's going to be someone in the car. But. It's going to take a while for people, especially um, especially people who are more used to other people driving cars, to kind of get over the hurdle of letting a machine take over. But after seeing like a lot of those Tesla videos that came out, where the Tesla car is predicting it's calling out an accident, like three cars up on a highway that's happening at a fast speed. And watching those, it looks to me like cars are getting and sensors in cars are getting a lot better at being smarter drivers and people, both at predicting accidents and at making maneuvers on the roads. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if if you sent a Lyft car here that was, you know, something reputable and was self-driving, as long as you don't lock the doors on me from the inside in the back seat, I'd get in it right now. Child locks. Yeah, I would totally jump yeah. in that too yeah, i'm ready out. i'm ready to to do self-driving cars i'm tired of i want to be, I wanna be I w- able to like sit in traffic and throw on all like the self-driving mode and just relax yeah i would have to like go to a closed course with people with notepads like taking notes making sure i'm okay <laughs> like mattresses set up all over the place in case it flips and i fall out like i, I would i guess like i'm a little old school like i don't know i just i'd rather be in control of it or no, someone that, who I trust to be in control. Well, I guess not. I don't trust people who drive lifts and Ubers and cabs all the time. <laughs> I don't ding, know. Ding, having, ding. That, having that human element, I feel like, is just maybe it's well, legacy thinking. I don't know. Maybe I'm just stuck in the past. But I'll tell yeah. you what. Uh, go ahead, Matt. I was saying it's definitely like it's good to have that conflicting perspective and like someone who's nervous about it because that means that the legislature that's going to get written for those self-driving cars is going to be written with everybody in mind and all of these opinions considered and it will be safe enough for people who are thinking like as you said with a more legacy mindset to make them more comfortable to make the push into getting into a self-driving car so I think that's good that there you have people who aren't just like, yeah, throw me into it. I'll see where it takes me. And if I hit a wall, right. then oops, that's fine. But like, <laughs> it's good that you have people who are taking this from like a much more cautious perspective. And I think that is just as beneficial, if not more beneficial to how this stuff is going to be implemented than actually just being fully gung ho. So I, I respect that opinion wholeheartedly. 
you know, we're, we're going to find out pretty soon um, based on other recent news in Boston that lists partnering with a startup called Newtonomy, that they're looking to put thousands of on-demand autonomous vehicles on the road in Boston. Um, and they're intended to launch a pilot of this program in as soon as a few months. So oh, and we'll, we'll see how people respond in Boston to this. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's looking like by the fall, they're going to have cars on the road ready to pick you up with no driver. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, so we can all go there. And you guys said you would get in right away. So you guys try it, and then I'll see if you <laughs> crash or not. And that'll help yeah. me. If I'm and you take in. a regular Uber driver and see yeah. who gets there first and who's safer. <laughs> and we'll see who gets yeah. water. You're probably going to get the water bottle. We're not. So <laughs> Yeah. His car will have the mints in it. And the phone chargers. I, I get the aux cord. You guys get like XM radio. <laughs> we'll have like surveys and research papers to fill out while we're driving on like our experiences. <laughs> Heart rate <Yeah>. monitors too. <laughs> I wouldn't mind trying them out. Like I, I wouldn't mind trying them out, but I, I'd like to see some statistics behind it that proves that they're pretty safe. And I know there are a lot out there now, but when I see something like this, it's like, oh, corporations trying to make a big jump really quickly. We're going to deploy a bunch of cars in a city. Well, wh- where's the regulation that says hey, you're not allowed to beta test on people. Because basically all these all these cars are going to be driving around with regular people at the same time. They're just allowed to do right. that. Right. And you have Teslas too. Like if, if it was a Tesla, I would somehow feel much more safe getting into that car than if it was like <laughs> than if it was like a Ford Focus with a big radar right. kit on top of it. Exactly. So, like, well, actually, you're pretty close, but it's, it's actually touching in, on what Irvin was talking about with GM. It's a driverless Chevy Bolt. Oh, okay. That's their uh, go-to right now. I'm surprised it wasn't like a driverless Jaguar, like XJ220 <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and and right now it's still required for someone to be the behind the wheel. So as you as they're testing these out in different cities, someone's going to be always behind the wheel with a big red button that says that cuts it off if something that they notice isn't going the the way that it should. Because right now. It isn't legal for cars to drive themselves without so, anyone behind the wheel. How permanent do you right. think that is? The the regulation on that? Right Correct. Now? Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to take the most estimates that I've seen that technology will be there in about uh, three to four years at where it's uh, at least as safe as a human or if not better uh, driver. And some people are saying maybe uh, two, two or three years additional to that for the government to review the findings and get that data from these manufacturers to get the proof that it is actually that much safer. And then they're going to pass that regulation. So I'd say 7 to 10 is a safe bet before it is legal uh, for uh, someone be, not to be behind a wheel. Um, and they just fall asleep, right? Press a button, yeah. take me home, <laughs> fall asleep, wake up at your destination. That type of full driving autonomy, I think, is at least seven to ten years out. But it's that's a lot quicker than most people think, in my opinion. Right. right. It's kind of interesting to think about, like what you were touching on, Matt, is how they're trying to get away from what they have to give to the driver. Um, if, if it's going to be that far down the road, you have to think about if are they just banking on the future, you know, cashing in on this technology, or is it maybe to avoid collisions or like interaction with the driver in general? Um, things like, you know, if, if a driver's tardy to their pickup, just 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious what the immediate uh, benefit for these companies is. Yeah, I think it's going to be raw numbers all the way down the line until you start seeing them actually replace drivers. Like um, these cars have driven X number of miles with zero accidents or something like that. I think it's going to be heavily dependent on those numbers before you start seeing um, people being replaced by cars. You're going to have to prove it. I think yeah. there's two things. The first one that I'm going to say is a joke. I just think it's less less congestion the more autonomous cars we have because no one's like looking because a cop has someone pulled over for 25 yep. seconds and mm -hmm. slowing down. I think you'll see like a more steady traffic pattern. Um, so that's only like kind of joking. But I think uh, the people who take the risks of driving while intoxicated or under the influence, I think if they are – in a car that's driving automatically, but they still have the ability to override in case of an emergency, mm. I think they are going to be more willing to take a risk that they wouldn't have taken if they were the one driving the entire time. Now, granted, if the car's doing its job, then hopefully that person have, doesn't have to step in, but I think you could see that happen as well. Mm -hmm. And I see a future, it might be way off, maybe I'd say my, my guess 25 30 years it might be fully illegal for you to drive your car it might even take 30 to 40 uh but at some point it's going to be, be uh illegal in my opinion to drive actually drive your car because it's going to be that much more unsafe what a crazy thing they could do yeah. the uh the breathalyzers just to start the thing up if you if you have to be in there and manning it just in case of emergency they yeah. can always do it that way. Hey, guess what? Yeah, it might get you there, but you're supposed to still be paying attention. So, sorry, man. Or you, it don't, might, you don't get to drive. It might be like, um, well, I I don't disagree with what you're saying about a breathalyzer, but it might be kind of like a, a firearm permit where you have to go through extensive right. testing and you know all these oh. legal loophole or loops hoops. There you go. Yeah. Um, to actually have permission to do this. Right. Get a license, like a classic license. Yeah. It might even you, go you, the people still want to own classic cars and stuff. That the market's always going to be around. <laughs> right, but... yeah. It could even go the way of like horses too, where it becomes something that happens only on closed courses or for sport or right. um in like small if you wanna, areas. Yeah. If you wanna go to the if track. you wanna drive, yeah, exactly. I was about to say go to the track if you wanna wear fancy hats. <laughs> Giddy. Yeah. You can see like <laughs> car polo on like motorcycles. <laughs> in the future <laughs> it'd be like legit Tron it would yeah I could see that future happening I could totally see that autonomous tow trucks autonomous flatbeds I mean have you guys seen did you guys see the the Logan movie where they yeah it's no nothing is being spoiled in saying that but I think in part of the movie they definitely portray like how trucking is gonna be in the future it's just like basically just cargo shipping crates on like autonomous like skateboards that are flying down the highway like avoiding traffic patterns and slowing down for um incidents and stuff like that like i think that's definitely where we're headed and it's just a matter of getting everybody on board spoilers dude come on, <laughs> come on man. there's some guy out there that's like man i wanted to see how the trucks were in logan <laughs> Kind of uh, tying into what Kyle was getting at there. I don't know if one of you guys wants to take the lead on this, but um, also there's a Ohio judge who's mandating that uh, some people partake in Uber and Lyft. Anyone want to grab that one? Oh, where they're talking about the DUIs and 
Um, if you've, I think it's if you've been, if you've been charged with a DUI or you, you need to um, call an Uber or is it the one? I'm a so, little. <laughs> so so the article itself, the 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 judge is actually mandating that some people charged with DUI, uh, it's you know noted here is OVI operating a vehicle impaired, um, that they must download a ride sharing app like Uber or Lyft, and it's also mandated that they enter their credit card as a condition of the probation. So basically saying if, if if you've made this infraction where you've driven under the influence and gotten caught, something's happened. Um, in these scenarios, this judge is saying you got to get this app and you need to use it. Isn't that an interesting thing when it comes into the legal field? It is. Yeah. And they specified both Uber and Lyft. Something like it. So it's yeah, not yeah. just those two, but those are, you know, like we were touching on earlier, those are the two people talk about. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't like like you've probably been able to tell. I haven't really had a chance to dig too deeply into the article itself, but um, it's interesting to see that there's legislature being written around kind of making sure that people make smart decisions when they're drunk. Um, so, like if you were intoxicated and driving and um, didn't have the Uber or Lyft app downloaded, it you might have a more extreme sentence. Like you could have used this as an alternative why didn't you use this stuff like that? But I'm curious because there's a small population of people who still don't have smartphones and don't, and may not have maybe even as a stretch may not even have credit cards. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be curious to see how the law would be interpreted on those people if this passes. But um, it's definitely interesting to see that they're becoming more progressive in their lawmaking and making sure that people are more accountable on ride sharing apps when they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what his, um, you know, obviously you're providing an alternative, but like what, how's this going to make people do that differently? You think right. like they're, they, they probably already know about this, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's already there. It's already set up. You got in trouble once and it's already there for you. It's like, hey, it's idiot. We're giving you a chance here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much the only take I have on it. I don't know if there's any other angle to it. But, uh, why, why couldn't you uh, pass a law that says you have to use public transit? Well, that's another... 2 a.m. A lot of places yeah. don't have public no. transit that late. It's true. Mm-hmm. Train yeah. station's close. <laughs> <laughs> the I mean, problem with our national infrastructure. Well, so how can they push, legally push on the corporations? Push yeah. the private sector, I guess. This is one of those things also where you have... Um, you have people coming up with different solutions to stop drunk driving and you have all these different things. Like some cars have built in technologies to, um, to kind of detect drunk driving and some, uh, police forces. There's been rumors of the, uh, like the, as it was, as they mentioned in the article, like the lasers that police are developing to detect drunk driving patterns in cars. Um, and I think this is one of those things, like it's not going to stop all cases of drunk driving, but it's one more way to keep people honest. Like it'll keep something having this public will keep the honest people honest. People are still going to drunk drive, but that's, that's my take on this at least. I mean, if you want, if you want to stop drunk driving, you, you mandate that every single person or every company that develops cars has that little thing that won't let the car start. If you can't pass a breathalyzer, I mean, that's the way to stop it. 
Mm-hmm. Clearly, Very we can't much. trust people to not do it. The way to stop it is to force force it to be stopped. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the alternatives of cabs, lifts, and Ubers will help people still want to go out and have a good time, even though they can't start the car at the end of the day. Right. It's it's crazy to me. I mean, I'm going to go off on a mini tangent here. We don't have to stay on it because I know we're pressed for time. But it it's crazy to me the bravado when when someone is intoxicated and wants to drive. You see so many accounts of people telling their friend, dude, it's not a good idea. Don't think you should do it. Don't you think you should go home? Now, granted, with more options available, I feel like it's probably happening less. I don't know. I don't have the statistics in front of me. But people will, like, I've had friends fight me. Like, no, dude, I'm fine. I'm getting in my car. I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're not. But if that same friend came up to me with, like, a head contusion, dizzy and bleeding from the head, just as unaware of what's going going on around them as if they were intoxicated, they're not going, dude, give me my keys. I'm going to go drive myself to the hospital. They're like, yo, can you give me a ride? I don't, mm-hmm. I can't see straight. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But because of the way that alcohol works, it's, I mean, I guess it's just the chemicals affecting you versus just, hey, this hurts a lot. Can you please let, please help it's me? Liquid right. courage versus head trauma. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But like, Literally, the the two things, getting a concussion and being drunk, could give you the exact same results. And one, you're like, someone help me. Another one is like, get away from me. I can do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's that's kind of, and no, that's that's fine. It, it's something that you're like I said, it, it goes off of the thing where you're you're not gonna stop them, or if you are, it's gonna take more than just like a law that says like, oh, you have to download this app before you get in that car, or, drunk person. You have to do this. Or else we're going to slap you with a DUI or something like that. Because people break laws all the time. So, and this is going to be about as effective as one of those, um, as one of those lasers to detect drunk drivers and stuff like that. Yeah. They're already drunk driving. So what's the laser doing to prevent it? Some of them are Uber drivers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the worst. So that kind of imposes this weird double negative and double standard where you have the Uber driver who's actually the drunk person, but that's what I was, I was going to touch on with what Thompson was saying about public transit, too. I was going to say, imagine if the Uber and Lyft drivers got merged with public transit in some way. <laughs> we don't have to rely on a bus or a train yeah. or a taxi, but no, that'll never happen or else the businesses will fail. Yes. And a lot of them and, are government businesses, too, so they would want to make sure that those they're still getting their tax money from them. Right. So. Right. Yeah. But... Um, we were talking in the last episode about um, about how they were backpedaling out of their vote on net neutrality, Netflix. Um, and just to further the argument of what we were talking about, Netflix, uh, according to this Engadget article, has surpassed um, has surpassed cable television for American subscribers. Um, and it's definitely interesting to see that cable is dying a very slow and agonizing death and the advent of the cable streaming service and the and streaming over the internet and you have all these companies like AT&T with their direct TV service um Comcast with their X1 plan um all these other companies moving to some kind of online streaming service and Netflix is managing to pass all of them so Netflix is going to start actually having some real weight behind its decisions yep. and it's kind of to take this maybe in 
just to spin this into a direction, it's something that Netflix should be aware of when they come out with a defeatist attitude. It's something that they should be like they're they're passing American cable providers in terms of subscriptions in the U.S. It's huge. That's a that probably hasn't happened since before cable when they passed radio. So it's just something that they need to be aware of um, when they release defeatist uh, <laughs> public statements about net neutrality and things like that when they're the ones who are now currently the top dog in the game. Mm, I wonder how those are related. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify, it's just, you know, they're they're outranking traditional cable TV subscribers. Right. You know, when you take into like satellite viewers like you're talking about the X one, you know, on on the web platform or smart devices, if you add those up, it they they're not on top. But yeah. compared to your set top boxes on your TV, they're yeah. That's they're what I was that. Yeah, I was when I brought them up I was mentioning more just the competition that was coming up in response to Netflix. Right, so right, right. That that kind of that kind of puts a buffer on cable as it is because you still have the regular channels and then on top of that you have those internet services but sure um to go back on something that ryan you were talking about in the last episode uh but he were thinking this just the screams backdoor deals and such stuff like that um last time i checked and i'd have to find a related article on this to quote but netflix has a deal with comcast to be one of their primary providers so, or to be a provider of data and to have favoritism in their streams, which is anti-net neutrality. Yeah. And <laughs> I wonder if those two things are related, like you said, kind of like the ESPN deal where they're getting all this money from an ISP. So why would they try to compete with an ISP? Right. When it's shooting that deal in the foot. So. <laughs> I mean, but... if they look to be the leader of all streaming content, ultimately, I see the major ISPs, they have basically become their giant utility centers at this point. They don't need to have to offer cable anymore. They don't even need it because they already control the lines. They're basically going to, they have say in what goes through the lines now. I mean, and that is our free exchange of information these days. The internet's mm-hmm. an essential like electricity and water. So, right. And you could argue that just even owning a service like the, like direct TV is anti net neutrality in itself because not only do you provide the lines, but you also provide a service that goes through your own lines. Right. And who knows what you're doing with that in the background, whether you're actually favoring it yeah. or, or not. So what right. data they're collecting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll progress in the future. Uh, and I think Netflix is, is going to keep, growing even more man i mean you've seen like i said twitter had the rights to stream 10 nfl games Mm -hmm. for two years um which was shocking to me and then amazon got it for this upcoming season but only for one season i mean netflix could just they're the giant right now they could turn around and be like hey here's a bunch of money every nfl game can be found on our service Mm -hmm. for you know for the next five years except for you know the, the sunday night game the monday night game if they, had li- they have to make. Like, if, they had, if they had live streaming like that, that's like it would put I mean. the world upside down. Amazon does it right. Well, Twitter did it last year. Amazon does it right now. For all, all the Thursday night games, they were streaming those live. Yeah. So and I, to quote, I, go ahead. I was saying to quote you in the first half, 
Netflix in itself is almost like synonymous with things like Kleenex and Uber and Netflix and chill. It's like, like you said, how many times I say that last thing? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, it's something that it's, it's a meme and it's a service. They're, they're, they're ubiquitous amongst people as just being the service. If you say in general to somebody, Hey, I'm watching Netflix. They know what you do or they know what you're doing. If I say to somebody, Hey, Oh yeah, I I saw this on Amazon. Oh, what'd you buy the DVD? Yeah. No, I have streamed it. They have their own video service. Oh, really? I mean, not, obviously, there's plenty of people who know that they have their own streaming service, but like I was speaking to my dad, and that we had that exact conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I saw this awesome show on on Amazon. He was like, "Oh, I have Prime if you want to order it." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Nah, yeah, yeah. I watched it already. It's over." Same, same thing. I was, you know, you scroll through your Facebook feed, you look at what people are talking about. I saw something. I forget who said it the other day, but it's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm two years into my Amazon Prime subscription. I just realized now that I have the Amazon Video." Mm-hmm. you know yeah and it, it's it's so easily recognizable like i was um i was looking into uh on a semi-unrelated note i was looking into using the ge force now service on the nvidia shield just to field test it with like the free month trial and when someone was asking me what that was i referred to them oh it's the netflix of game streaming like that like just saying that alone you guys probably now have a better understanding of what it was before the beginning of the conversation I had no idea what it was until you said that just now. Yeah, it's it's like not all of the games. It's a small subset, and it's a it, you can stream them for free. So that's it is what it is. Or not for free, but for a monthly service like Netflix. But um, that being said, it's they're they're huge. <laughs> that's like all yeah. I can really say now. They're so yeah. big, and there's they they go to Sundance with Hulu, and they buy up all the good shows that come out. So you're seeing all these amazing like hits coming out to Netflix and Hulu and these cable services and or these streaming services and the cable industry is getting nothing from it. So they're they're absolutely massive now. Yep. Compared to where they were ten years ago. <laughs> so um aside from that, um we just had a, a couple of fun extra topics we could bring up. A little fun. A couple fun ones. things, yeah. A couple yeah. fun ones. Um yeah. I know you were you were pretty excited. Um, you you thought it was pretty hilarious, but the Microsoft's AI was the first one to get a perfect Mrs. Pac-Man score. Did you want to lead that one off? Yeah, I Jeff? guess. I mean, there's a deep learning team uh, that Microsoft acquired in January called Maluba, uh, and they created an AI system, and it got the maximum possible points on Miss Pac-Man on the Atari 2600, uh, and no human's done that before. So, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Good luck, human race. <laughs> Check this out. The, head. <laughs> the perfect score is nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred, and the closest on record a human has gotten without cheating is two hundred sixty-six thousand three hundred. Oh, wow. It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> not even remotely yeah. close, and it's been out forever. Exactly. Oh my God, that's incredible. That's ridiculous. I didn't realize it was that big of a difference between. Oh human yeah. Performance yeah. And, Oh my God! At that, that point, you just get bored. It's less than a third. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, you need an AI to carry on because your hands tired. You're like, you want to sleep. It's been several days. You're running out of food. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Microsoft can do it. There you go. But, or Maluba. On a similar note, Microsoft or Google has pivoted DeepMind from Go to to uh, Starcraft. 
they're actually teaching it to play StarCraft, which... Oh, man. So you're going to wow. have these uh, deep mind uh, and, like, AI systems going into, like, professional video game tournaments. Oh, God. Imagine when you, if you go on Steam or whatever platform you use, go on Rocket League to play a game. There you go. You got some deep learning <laughs> AI against you, and you just get shut out 99 to 0. <laughs> deep mind has joined your session. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll, have some, like, oh, God. we'll have some dumb name, like Zinger. Oh, you wouldn't believe some of them I saw last night. I can't repeat them here, but oh my God. <laughs> no, I just mean the uh, the the AI ones that they give you. Oh yeah, yeah. it's always what, like yeah, mountain Buster. <laughs> yeah, Buster. <laughs> what would be impressive to me is if they get DeepMind to do something such as beating like Pokemon Red or Yellow or something like that, like a game that's not very linear and very complex in the approach you'd have to take like yeah it'd be interesting whether they did that from like a, a ground point or if they taught it things you know like mm -hmm. if you know where certain people are and what to do then like or if it's like playing the game from scratch over and over and like <clears throat> keeping that accumulation of knowledge if, if right. that's the way they take that'd be fascinating to see right um but if they're like it. yeah if, if, if they teach them the missing no trick then you know i'm not as interested yeah yeah if they if they can get it to beat the elite four with like, or if they can just read the, the the memory card in there and know how the game works, you know, that's not, mm -hmm. I'm not interested yeah. in that. Yeah, like, did you guys watch Twitch plays Pokemon? Like, watching something, like, fumble around at the beginning, like, learn it hurts. the step. It was great. It, was, it hurt. So it was awesome, but, like, <laughs> I would have to watch for, like, a minute max at a time. Like, it was, had... it was painful to watch. They had to change the rules multiple times during the game because people couldn't agree. Like there were so many people in there who just went, I just want to screw with everyone else. Right. You know? It was hilarious to watch like the progression of, of how that worked though. And eventually like, I guess it died off. So they were able to eventually finish the game, but like watching them get through like Giovanni's um, like building in the team rocket part, like later in the game, Oh, was hilarious. Yeah. Is the es yeah, the escalators and like the little pads you had to walk on to push you to different parts of the building, and you had to like navigate like the maze to get to Giovanni. That Early was a on, complete be mess. Before they changed the rules to to more of like a voting system, other than every single input counts automatically, they would do it would be like a three second or a five second like we want to listen to every single input that gets put in, and whatever the majority is, that's what it would go with. Mm -hmm. They changed it to that. It was originally just any input that was put in worked. So they oh. couldn't get past the fences because you would get past it, then someone <laughs> would go right and jump back over. Yeah. And then you would go up and jump back over. So they had to change the rule because of the fences. I think it took them five hours to get out of Pallet Town. Yeah, it was outrageous. <laughs> That's like the TV show, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing at that. There was something online. It was like, yeah, it took like seven months for him to get to Verdian City. <laughs> <laughs> It's a long walk, man. It's like Dragon yes. Ball Z, where it takes like forty episodes for him to like to finish a fight or something like that. Plus, there's oh, like God. swarms of freaking metapods, just being yeah. hard and wasting all your tackles. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're alone in the woods. Your Pokemon only has struggle left. You're almost out of potions. <laughs> but um, uh, what did you guys kind of going off of these games? Um, just to get your opinions on it, what did you guys think of E3? Are there any kind of games that you were excited about? Any kind of consoles? Even if you were largely disappointed with E3, what do you guys think? I thought that Sony just stepped up to the plate again. I mean, 
like I was telling you guys before, I think that console gaming has large in part always been about the games first and the tech second. So mm-hmm. I think the Xbox One was super impressive, but really all they showed off was Forza, which, I mean, hasn't changed that much because the game is so beautiful and amazing it's already. So good. Mm-hmm. So that was cool, but like Sony, I mean, they talked about the new Uncharted. They talked about the new Horizon Zero Dawn. They introduced Days Gone, uh, which we were talking about. They pulled out uh, Detroit becoming uh, uh, Detroit become human. That was that was yeah. awesome. That looks amazing. Uh, a Shadow of the Colossus PS4 remaster. Like they went in on the exclusives. Uh, Destiny Two was showcased. Spider Man was showcased. God of War was showcased. Yep. Marvel vs. Cap- uh, Capcom Infinite was showcased. They focused on exactly what people wanted, which is. And they've done that so far in the life cycle of the PS4, which is exactly what right. 360 did and gave them the advantage over PS3 is PS3 wanted to be an entertainment system. And Microsoft was like, people just want games. And then they were like, oh, people love the games that we have. Let's make an entertainment system. And Sony was mm-hmm. like, let's just make games, guys. And yeah. the games are winning. Yeah, I think like you were saying, the only three exciting games or things that they announced was, was the Halo Wars expansion pack, um, Crackdown 3, and... Um, and like you were saying, the Crackdown uh, Three does look awesome. Yeah, it looks awesome, and they're not really—they're they, not doing much. I think they put all their stocks in the new, um, in the new in the new Xbox console, and expected the hype from that to kind of carry them through E3. And um, and on, on top of that, most of the titles also coming out for PC kind of supplemented the PC end of E3, which was pretty exciting too. But um, I thought that. Uh, one of the exciting things, in my opinion, was how Nintendo handled it. They didn't really announce a whole lot off the bat. They announced a lot of stuff they were working on. And one of the things they confirmed was one of those full-length RPG-style Pokemon games that they're making for the Switch, which, which will awesome. be kind of cool. Yeah. So but it, for that. Hold on. Think about this, too, though. You're talking about Xbox One. Player Unknowns Battlegrounds coming to Xbox One. So that's something that, that's probably going to that get is, some attention. That's pretty cool. Right? And you got Rocket League that's coming to Switch. Right. So that's going to be huge. Uh, and what was Skyrim, the other? too. Skyrim. Exactly. That's the other one I was going to touch on. Amiibo support. So think about that. I mean... Skyrim's coming to everything, though. It's coming to literally <laughs> everything. And Morrowind's coming, yeah, too. That handheld portable device we were talking about earlier. Now you can play right. Skyrim. Now you can ignore your be... dog at the dog park. Yeah, exactly. I can ignore the dog at home because I'll be too distracted playing Skyrim, the full game on PSVR. In your face. <laughs> so there, that there is, you go. Okay. That's going to be something. Fallout got VR support too. Hey, man. I'm not making an argument that the Switch surpasses PlayStation or Xbox. but Neither am I. Bethesda had a good showing, I think. I mean, obviously they said Skyrim is still popular. Really? It's everywhere. They said Morrowind's going to be on next gen now. They announced Doom Fallout both on VR. Um, they talked about uh, the two new Elder Scrolls, so Elder Scrolls Legends, Elder Scrolls Online, right? Um, Dishonored Two expansion, uh, Evil Within Two, which is which is the thing I'm most excited about, and Wolfenstein Two, which if you like first person shooters but don't like to think, it's the perfect game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's super linear, it's super action packed. Get from point A to point B and murder everything in between. That sounds that's like how, Gears of War. Yeah, that's yeah, how Doom took the approach too. The yep. the latest Doom yeah. title. That game is yeah. just like a shameless, very violent, over-the-top shooter. Mm-hmm. So, it's cool. E3, I thought it was exciting. There was parts of it that weren't really exciting. Um, one of the big takeaways that I saw were Monster Hunter World that came out. That game looks absolutely incredible. I'm excited for that one. 
Um, they announced a game that no, not many people really know too much about, but they announced the sequel to Nidhogg. Have you guys ever heard of that? Vaguely. Nidhogg oh. is like a it's like a tug of war styled fencing game where you have to you're two players that are like small uh, low res stick figures and you're armed with like fencing swords and you have to like kill your way to the other person's side and <laughs> run through their final objective. And that is such a great game for like a late night two player kind of back and forth fight. And it's it's exciting. I definitely recommend it. I have it for PS4. Yeah, I want to so. try it. If we want to do that for one of our Twitch game streams, we could totally have like a like a tournament it. style Nidhogg round. That would be exciting. Um, but overall, it looked really good. So um, Nintendo also showed off more Breath of the Wild, which is mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which the initial trailer that they showed made me almost lose my mind because it looked <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. I didn't watch the one from E3 yet, but holy crap. And mm-hmm. um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So... I heard amazing things about the first one, but didn't have a Wii anymore when it came out. I didn't get it on 3DS because you had to have the new style 3DS, and I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to get Xenoblade Chronicles X, and everybody was like, dude, it's not as good as it looks. It's It gets weird because I don't want to stop playing it, but I don't love it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and they talked about the mechs the whole time, but really it was... Like, you had to play for 40 hours before you even touched a mech. So people were like, I don't know how to feel about this game at all. And then even after beating it, I was like, so what What'd you say? They're like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> so people seem to love the first one. X seemed to be like they tried to do too much. And I'm hoping that 2, I didn't, again, I didn't watch any of the videos yet. I, I'm hoping that 2 is a return to, to what they did in 1 because from all accounts and what I've heard, it's awesome game, so. Right. Understood. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I think that's everything we have tonight for the episode. So um, with that, uh, just to kind of remind our audience, um, they can find our podcast at industry40.podbean.com. That's our home hub where all the other episodes get populated from. Uh, that being said, you can also reach us on Google Play, iTunes. We're available on Pocket Casts. For Android, um, you can download our RSS feed and inject that into any of your favorite podcatchers or listen to us on, like, straight from Facebook or Twitter as well. You can find us at Industry40 on Facebook, all spelled out, and Twitter the same. And um, with that being said, does uh, anybody have anything else they would like to shamelessly plug? I know we usually do a plug at the end of the episodes, but I always like bringing it up to... Just remember to rate and review. It's the most important thing when you leave comments. Absolutely. I mean, if you leave if you leave us comments, we'll read them on the air. Any five star comment gets read on the air. We'll give you a little, some props. How about that? Yeah. But I, the more you guys rate on the actual uh, on Podbean and on iTunes, that's how we get more recognition. That's how we have the ability in the future to to throw little ads in here. How we get support. Uh, we've been putting some money into this podcast, and we love doing it for you guys. We love doing it for ourselves. It's a fun thing, but the way we keep – I mean, it sounds like I'm one of these professional guys already, but the way we <laughs> keep it free is by you guys give, giving us the notoriety that we hope uh, or the ratings that we hope we are deserving of. So, And that being said also, we're we're not perfect people, so if we make a mistake during the show or if we have something that you disagreed with, feel free to just reach out to us in any of our social medias and let us know, and we could even – call it out on the show if we made a mistake or 
Um, even if you just have some interesting um, opinions or want your want your voice heard on the show, yeah. on your opinions on tech. So any suggestions are definitely taken into account going forward. So we we appreciate everyone's feedback and uh, definitely appreciate your activity and participation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will so, throw a shameless plug in there for myself real quick. Uh, okay. I am uh, I have a different podcast. It's a wrestling podcast. So if you're a super nerd like myself, check out on Facebook.com. You can go uh, search for On Air with Keenan and Kyle, talking all things wrestling with my man Kevin Keenan. He's a former WWE referee, so you can always do that. Uh, we're also on Twitter now at On Air Keenan Kyle because I tried to get all of it in there and it's just too long. Uh, and you can also go to uh, Podomatic.com and search the same On Air with Keenan and Kyle. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, with that being said, um, you can find all of our off our beats on Jeff's SoundCloud. Jeff, do you want to plug your SoundCloud channel? I'll give you the URL for now. It's SoundCloud.com slash Fre. That's F R E H. I like subject it. to change nice. yeah so not not a ton up there yet uh still a lot of work in progress but uh if you enjoy the beats in the show uh let me know i appreciate feedback on those as well and uh i hope to have some new interesting beats coming your way in the near future all right and yeah and i'll include your url and kyle's urls in the show notes too so if anybody wants to follow up on that on their end they'll be able to just double check the show notes on pod on podbean i almost said podomatic on podbean.com <laughs> <My bad>. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And you guys will be able to get to their shows through that methodology. But um, aside from that, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this live experiment we're doing with Facebook Live. And um, I'm glad that we were able to finally get this done. So with that being said, that's episode six. So see you guys in the next one. Thank you.